before we start, just two teeny tiny quick ads. This episode of Meet Your Maker is brought to you by Offset, one of the world's most inspirational conferences for design and creative industries. Each year, over 2,500 attendees come together in Dublin, Ireland, to hear speakers like animator Kirsten Lepore, who created that globally viral and kind of creepy Hi Stranger video. Hi Stranger. It's been a while. Making your own film is extremely hard. I mean, I know so many people that make films and then, you know, at the beginning of the film they were one person, at the end they feel like a completely different person. They're just like extra embarrassed to show the film and they'll just keep it on a hard drive and no one will ever see it. No no job or anything is ever going to come if no one sees the work. So This year Offset takes place March 23rd to the 25th and speakers include comics icon Chris Ware, Academy Award nominated animator Nora Toomey and Dan Gray, the producer of Monument Valley. You can see the lineup so far on iloveoffset.com. That's iloveoffset.com. 101 The Ways We Learn is a new podcast series that explores how people learn new things. It's hosted by physicist Dr. Shane Bergen and volcanologist Dr. Jane Chadwick. In each episode, Jane and Shane follow a different person learning something new. From swimming to cycling, coding to cooking, activism to graphic design. And use these as an opportunity to explore the learning process from lots of different perspectives. And so you could smell the coffee beans. I have them here. Mm-hmm. Can you hear them? So they're very strong. Yeah, they're very strong, but they somehow neutralize whatever you've been smelling up to that point, and they give you a not so clean and fresh palate, but yeah. they will give you a distinction between what you smelled last and what Wait. you're smelling next. 101 is for anyone interested in learning or teaching. You can find out more on 101thepodcast.com. That's 101thepodcast.com. Today we're going on an adventure with artist and writer Andy Rustino. Hello, I'm Andy Rustino and it's time to meet your maker. Right now we're at the Dublin Castle Gardens, which is very beautiful. You know, there's this big green grass in front of us and then we're surrounded by all these old buildings with turrets and bunch of castle walls all around us and birds chirping and dogs running around kids yelling uh it's really nice it's sunny it's actually whether you know andy from his time as the lead character designer on adventure time or from his comics like night of the living vidiots he has always been drawing as far as i can remember i was always drawing i kind of grew up in a family i had older brothers and sisters and one of the things we would do is we'd just hang out and our parents got us these big rolls of paper and we would draw these huge battle scenes. And that was kind of a family, family thing to do is to draw a battle scene. <laughs> so. I grew up, I was very, I had like really bad allergies and asthma growing up. Like I would be hospitalized a lot. That's probably one of the reasons I focus so much on drawing I mean, I still would play sports, but, you know, I couldn't do it on a regular basis because I would have asthma attacks. And, uh, yeah, so I just kind of like, you know, the less I moved, the better. So I focused a lot on drawing. My mom used to make clothing. And my dad, after he retired, he started doing little, like, paintings. But I don't think either of them really were very focused on art. It was just kind of like their kids kind of got really into drawing. Me and my brothers used to all read comic books and stuff and uh, 
watch animation, and I think that kind of and and we weren't very well off. We were pretty poor, you know. Like we had to entertain ourselves. Our parents really encouraged us to do art and stuff. It seemed like we were into it. So. I was born in 1975, so I feel like a lot of the stuff I, when I start remembering stuff, was probably like late 70s, early 80s, 80s Marvel stuff, or like I was really into this show called Star Blazers,、uh, which is a space battleship Yamato. It's a Japanese cartoon. I was really into that and a lot of giant robot cartoons that were on in like the late 70s, early 80s. But yeah, I was really into collecting like GI Joes and these things called muscles. Which are little these little pink figures? It's like the only information you got about them were that they were wrestlers, and they were really crazy and different. And eventually, like it was like after I got out of college, I found out that they were all based on a Japanese comic called、uh, Kanukiman. And there were like each character had like seven or eight different figures made of them in different states of like battle. So like they're all. These weird connections between the figures, but it—it just like you had to make up your own story for them. When you were drawing as a kid, when you got a bit older, did you like? Did you ever like flirt with anything else? Um, even though my career's been a little roundabout,、uh, it's mostly just been animation. And I kind of got into animation because I knew I could make money out of college, and I, I still. I feel like my ultimate goal is to do comics for a living, but that's still a ways down the line. I think animation is kind of, for me at least, it, it was easier. Like I kind of graduated from college right as like a. I I don't know. I feel like there was a lot of animation happening, so it was easy to find work. The Cartoon Network right now, there's I feel like half the people are from independent comics. I feel like the allure of doing comics for me at least is, you know, just having. Being able to do it all by myself and control every aspect of it—not that I'm a control freak, but just to like, you know, like I don't know. I feel like you get a, a certain point in in your artistry where you're like, you know, how you want everything to be. And for me, I don't like bossing people around, you know. So it's like I can put my own time into this thing and create exactly what I want to see, not have to worry about like making anyone else's life miserable, which is kind of. Goes hand in hand with working in animation, I think. So after college, Andy starts freelancing. I worked a lot in Flash, so I I did a lot of Flash animations for websites or video games, like little、uh, casual gaming things. I I did a lot of work for this company called Leapfrog, which they make like learning games, and I, and I was freelancing. So the one good thing about freelancing is I could like take breaks, and then I would take breaks and work on my own stuff on the side, and. That was going really great, and then I heard Adventure Time was being made into a show, and I was like, "Oh, I'd like!" It was so rare that a show came around that I was very into, and that my work really coincided with how it looked. I was just basing it on the pilot I had seen, which I thought was super rad and fun, and it reminded me like what I liked about animation. I was like, "Oh, I gotta at least try to get a job on this show." Adventure Time, come on, grab your friends, we、we'll、go to very distant lands. Applying for the job required Andy to take a test. Each show is different, you know, and each show has a different sensibility and sense of humor and visual style. And so, what they do is they create these quick tests you can do that they're supposed to take like a 
few days, you know, or maybe a week at the most. You request a test and they give you a test and you have a week to finish it to get it back. It just has like a bunch of different exercises that test your knowledge of how to draw. For storyboarding, they give you like a, a very generic description of what needs to happen and then you have to come up with a whole story and dialogue, you know, things that test your ability to draw props or the characters or they want to see how you can do a turnaround or see if you understand the terminology. You know, like it's just kind of something that you can get someone to do quickly that you can you can get a... You really can, after you've looked at a bunch of tests, see like kind of the skill level that someone's at, you know, and hopefully they didn't kill, they didn't kill themselves over the test, you know. And did you get in uh, like straight away? No, no. I, I originally tried to get a job storyboarding. Uh, and if I had gotten that job, it, it was before the show had started airing. If I had succeeded at the storyboard test, I, I would have been storyboarding at the beginning of season two. When people like Rebecca Sugar and Jesse Moynihan and all these other people came on board the show for season two. But I didn't understand the tone of the show. And it was the first storyboard test I had ever taken. So, you know, I just didn't do it right. Uh, but it was a great learning exercise for me. Uh, and then like half a year later, they told me there was an opening in design. I took that test and uh, did really well on it. What was it like to work there? It's a mix. I mean, when I first got there, it was very exciting, you know, and a whole new thing for me, like kind of like a big step up as far as uh, my career. I had never worked in L.A. On, on a TV show, so it was all like really learning and then character design for the show came really naturally for me and I was very excited so I was a total workaholic but I was able to finish everything quickly and and that was great. So how did the design process work? Well I, I, there's two different ways it works for at least on Adventure Time. Every show is slightly different. Sometimes we get the designs like there'll be a show that has a ton of new characters in it and they'll come to us and be like, hey, why don't you whip up a bunch of preliminary sketches for people from the Flame Kingdom? Uh, that was one instance where I got to design a ton of characters uh, before the storyboarders really got a shot at it. And then I'll, a lot of the times the storyboarders will get the initial pass at the characters because they have to start boarding before it even gets to design. And then what we do is we go through the board and kind of like tighten everything up or maybe develop it a little more if it needs to be developed more. But my favorite way to do it is, is when we get the first chance to really explore an idea. And, you know, like Adventure Time has a very distinct, simple style, which makes it, e I feel like, because there's this very simple structure to how everything is put together, it makes it really easy to explore and actually make things that are even crazier because it always has this, like, simple structure to fall back on. So with design, for instance, the Fire Kingdom, I got to, I designed about... 30 characters for the first time we go to the fire kingdom and uh and pan just went through and picked his favorites you know and those are the ones that made it into the episode there's a note gone to fire kingdom please watch dog yeah i tried moving up the storyboards and i just wasn't i wasn't ready for it my sensibilities storyboarding didn't quite fit and then also like i don't know i found the way they critique Storyboards, and I don't think this is like this for every show, but at least on Adventure Time, it was very kind of no nonsense and very brutal. And there wasn't really a support structure there to like help teach you how to board. It was kind of like learn on the go. I feel like had there been like more support there, I could have done a better job and probably would have stayed on as a boarder. Uh, 
But when I switched over to boards, I was already kind of burnt out because I've been doing design for a few years. I, I, it's very complicated. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, but it was amazing to work with a lot of like artists I really like. Uh, you know, like it's definitely an amazing experience. It was just uh, very intense. <laughs> What's the weirdest thing that you've ever done? The weirdest thing that I've ever done? <laughs> I don't know. Um, there was a year, a very weird year. Don't remember a lot of it. I went to Burning Man, and I was on a lot of drugs, and it was weird. I don't know if I was doing weird things, but definitely the the uh, environment around me was incredibly weird. <laughs> Amplified by the drugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever hallucinate anything that uh, that you like drawn like from the you know looking at like all the you know the, the pages where you have all the characters yeah, like yeah. so many? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm still. I feel like I'm still uh, traumatized by that specific year of my life, and I'm still working it out in my artwork. <laughs> like if you, I think if you read any of my comics, like it's all about like kind of trauma and. Uh, and just dealing with being overwhelmed by reality and how complex everything is. Andy raised over $22,000 on Kickstarter for his graphic novel Night of the Living Vidiots. And that's like my take on like the zombie zombie genre and it's just basically like a bunch of uh there was a, it's funny because, like, I'm going to put a little disclaimer here at the beginning. Uh, I started this story uh, back during a period of time when I was very, like, uh, anti-television. And uh, and now television has gotten so good that I can't, it's like I can't legally be against it anymore because I watch a lot of it. And it's the stories are all, the stories have gotten awesome, and uh, I also work on television. So uh, this story, it's actually more about how, like, I just don't, like commercials the way commercials kind of try to manipulate people so what happens in the story is people watching tv are turned into television headed zombies by like subliminal messages coming out of the tv and then they're all walking around like zombies spouting like buy this you know like spouting catchphrases from commercials and uh, there's these kids who don't who aren't watching tv like one is like they kind of represent the arts i guess if you want to actually find out what the story's about. Uh, and one is, like, music, one is artwork, one is uh, reading and writing, one is, like, uh, the physical arts, like, martial arts or whatever. And and they just start fighting the thing. Like, one guy... I, it was an idea. I originally developed it because I wanted to make a brawler, like a, a non-violet video game brawler if that makes any sense where like like for instance one guy's weapons is books so he would he would like his his big power would be like he'd stop and read a passage from a book and everyone would fall asleep you know like uh and he'd just be throwing books at people uh and so i guess it's kind of violent but i wanted to make like one of those side-scrolling brawler games but without with no beating up just all like you know like one person would paint on someone or you know i don't know these days, Andy is focusing on his personal work, and earlier this month, he launched a Patreon to help him with that. This is from the launch video. If all goes well on Patreon, maybe at some point, uh, you know, like the, the better the Patreon does, the more time I can devote to making comics, 
videos, illustrations, and uh, just generally being happy because um, I don't know. I find that uh, you know when I'm creating stuff for myself, uh, uh, there's a lot of joy in that. Meet Your Maker was produced and hosted by me, Liam Garrity. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. You know, I have been looking at some of the countries where Meet Your Maker listeners live, and you are everywhere. So today, I want to give a shout-out to all our listeners in Australia. There are tons of you. Who knew? If you were a listener in Australia, I want you to tweet at meetyourmaker.ie and say hi. If you do, I have some Meet Your Maker badges and stickers with your name on them. Okay, see you next week. Music